0: Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge studios. Hey,
1: hey, hey, Bass Edge Nation. Can't tell you how happy I am to have you back with us right here on Bass Edge Radio. That's right, the July 15th edition. We've got another great episode served up, ready, coming your way.
2: And as always, it is brought to you by our partners, MegaWare Keel Guard. Be sure to put on the protection the pros pick, protect your boat from grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete boat ramps by the first do it yourself keel protector. That's MegaWare Keel Guard. Be sure to visit them at keelguard.com
1: Aaron, a little lull in the national tournament action as of late but uh, that's okay, a lot of people still out there catching tons of bass great weekend, anglers getting out there, all kinds of good pictures on social media everywhere that we look, so uh, man it's just an exciting time to uh, continue to be bass fishing and having fun in the
2: outdoors. Yeah, speaking of having fun, a lot of pictures, I noticed uh, big kids camp week for you
1: Yes, that's exactly right, kids camp camp, 6th annual, it's out of control,
2: but yeah, that was... Dude, you're going to have like uh, counselors that you taught start coming back to help you, and they're going to be the (laughs) pros that are instructing these other kids, as long as what you've been doing this.
1: You're right, it's actually beginning to happen already. I've had a college angler help us last year, Nick DiCamillo, who's a college angler out at uh, New Mexico State University, and he is helping teach some of the uh, youth out there what they can expect when they go to college fishing, and of course, we've got all kinds of great anglers that come help us every year, uh, Denny Brower, Dave Mansou, Matt Reed, uh, you know, who was actually talking about catching big bass here on Bass Edge not too long ago. But, uh, of course, I missed several. There's lots of people. Our camp has just been awesome in another successful year. So um, it's been amazing, the feedback that we've really had, Aaron. This is a segment of the fishing population that is really growing tremendously. You look at the BASS and the FLW programmings that are set up in East They have high school tournaments with over 300 boats. It is just absolutely awesome to see these young anglers getting out there really enjoying bass
2: fishing. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I know just with my girls and how they're getting into it, it's exploding. And speaking of exploding, we have an explosive episode lined up with a lot more to talk about. So let's take a quick break and we're going to dive right into it right after this short break. Bass Edge Radio. Be right back.
1: Today's tackle tip from protecttheharvest.com with Fletcher
3: Shryock. Hey guys, if I had just one tackle tip for you, it'd be be basically a safety or eye protection whenever you're fishing. You know, you don't think a whole lot about it, but whenever you're fishing, a lot of times there's a lot of, you know, flying plastic worms and lures going around. It's very important to wear sunglasses or some type of protective eyewear whenever you're out on the water. Not only for, say, maybe a stray flying lure or something like that, But also just for the, you know, the UV rays are so harmful on our eyes nowadays. It's really important to have a pair of polarized sunglasses to keep those rays out. And not only that, but from a performance perspective, whenever you're fishing, wearing a set of polarized glasses is so key when being able to see it in the water. Maybe not necessarily being able to see the fish, but being able to see vegetation or laydowns or wood. You know, that's actually underneath the surface with those polarized glasses. I have some polarized glasses that are for sale in Walmart for four in the fishing section available at Walmart. So if you guys get a chance, go in there and check those out. And make sure you wear those next time whenever you're out on the water.
0: First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine Products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Fishing Boats is now the official boat of Bass Edge Radio. Be sure to check out the Nitro Z-Series Performance Fishing Boats. The 2017 lineup features five boats ranging from 17'4" up to 21-foot-2 inches. Two new models for 2017 include the Nitro Z-17, our entry-level bass boat at 17-foot-4 inches and rated for 115 horsepower. The flagship of the Nitro lineup, the Nitro Z-21, at 21'2" in length. Its performance and fishability is unmatched. Designed with input from top elite pros like KVD, Edwin Evers, Rick Klun, and Ott Defoe, Nitro Performance Fishing Boats champions aren't born; they're made.
1: Aaron, it's summertime and there's not a whole lot of tournaments going on, but a lot going on in the industry for sure. Just closing up ICAST with the, I was down there with Hayabusa.
2: Yeah, the, you know, and one of the things before we dive off, because I'm anxious to hear your thoughts, but I love ICAST. And for those that are kind of outside the industry, it's like everybody's wanting to get in to see what goes on inside of there, because it truly is magical. It's where everything is introduced, all the new stuff that's coming out. You get to see it before it ever hits kind of the main production slash retail stores so I miss going there Kurt I'm a little envious I gotta I gotta tell you and I know you were down there for a couple different reasons primarily Hayabusa has some new things that's coming out would love to hear about that and also why don't you kind of wet our palates on what we're going to see coming into the retail sector here a little bit later this year sure well I can tell you certainly about
1: what's coming out obviously with Hayabusa we we debuted the uh, new treble hook size that we're coming out with which is a size number five and you know you got your standard sizes your two four six and eight and uh, we decided that a five is a real important part in this industry and that is because of all the different hard baits and how important it is you know we're going to actually talk to an angler a little bit later in this interview that's going to talk some about why treble hooks are important on certain baits so coming out with a size five here with Hayabusa we've got the one with the uh, non-reflective black coat it it has a fluorine finish which is kind of a real neat thing that Hayabusa is doing the other thing that we're coming out with is um, the weighted 958 swim bait hook. So another great swim bait hook, and I can't tell you how important it is of placement of the weight on the hook itself. And at Hayabusa, we're really taking into consideration all of the uh, engineering aspects that make a hook perfect for uh, all kinds of applications. And and I gotta say, what's most interesting about my new position with Hayabusa and understanding this industry is how far in advance. We're really looking at products and coming out with them. We have already started talking about new products that we're going to have out in 2019. So, I mean, it's it's crazy how you're kind of looking ahead and how much work goes behind all of this um, in the closed doors of of all of these companies. So um, a lot of really interesting stuff that you can always see at ICAST. And, And even now, the rush to get new products to the market, you're starting to see not only at ICAST, at the Bassmasters Classic, at um, the FLW Cup, new products that are being shown and put out there to the customers and and into retail locations because man, it's just such a competitive industry and so much new and exciting stuff that's on the horizon. The technology continues to grow and grow and grow, and that's why we keep catching more and bigger bass.
0: So, oh it's,
2: yeah, and um, and you know, I think Kurt, it is such a competitive industry, but it's not a very big industry. That is what is mind boggling. You know, when you see how small the industry actually is for the amount of attention that it receives kind of in the media and the popularity in these days.
1: Yeah, there's no question. It's pretty amazing. And, you know, we've got the FLW Cup, Aaron, coming up here in just a couple of weeks. And that's going to be an interesting deal where some of these guys are going to be able to use some of these products to uh, catch fish. And, And what a better launching platform for a lure or a hook or some kind of new innovation in this industry to take it to a world championship and potentially have it be won on that product. That's- yeah, and
2: that is the ultimate dream, right? And there actually have been a few times where that has actually happened and put people on the map, bait companies to lure designers to everything else. But in particular, let's chat a little bit about Lake Murray itself because I have limited experience. I filmed a show there with Dave Woolack way back in the day. We had, from a from a media perspective, right, we caught fish. It was fun. We were able to work through some of the struggles in that. Uh, Lake Murray area. Fantastic group of people. Beautiful area. But, Kurt, i got to tell you, uh, if Dave and I would have been in a tournament that day, probably would not have done very well because we caught numbers but really didn't get into that quality that I've heard so much about. And I would think, you know, I'd like to get your opinion on this, but the time that the Cup is this time of year, which is always in August, it's going to make for some challenging conditions not only of fishing but just catching.
1: Yes, you're exactly right. You know, they had a Cup there, uh, I think it was 2014 and uh, local angler, exceptional angler, Anthony Gagliardi took the crown fishing some of the uh, nomadic bass out there chasing the bluebacks, which is a huge facet to this particular Forcewood Cup. Also, obviously the river is going to come into play. Scott Canterbury finished second place to Anthony Gagliardi there in 2014, fishing shallow. There's a lot of ways that you're going to be able to catch fish. It's going to be the mental game of pushing hard because you're probably not going to be catching 15 or 20 fish a day. You're probably looking for somewhere in that six to 10 bites a day. The river is going to be a player. We saw some really big bags come out of the river last time. Down lake, shallow fishing is going to be a player. Obviously, the bluebacks, very diverse. And that, that's kind of what's interesting about, you know, having a championship in the summertime. The variables extend much wider, I think, than they do sometimes in the springtime tournaments where kind of everybody is pretty shallow and, and that's the basis of the event. So lots of strategy going on in this Force Wood Cup. It should be
2: a great event down at Lake Murray in South Carolina. Yeah, no doubt. Excited to see how that plays out. But speaking of playing out, our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight, he's kind of familiar and, and has <laughs> qualified for the Cup, right? That's exactly right. He's going to play it out for real. We've got Shane
1: LeHue, a FLW Tour hammer, pretty young fella, but uh, it's going to be cool to kind of pick his brain, see how he first likes to fish in July in general and what his thought process is kind of going into a near hometown cup just a few hours down the road. So let's get Shane on the line, see what he's got to say. Looking forward to another great interview right here on Bass Edge Radio.
3: Hey, you got professional angler, David Mullins. This is SLW Tour Pro, Bradley Hallman. I'm professional angler, John Cox. Bass,
4: Bass Elite Series Angler, Kevin Baby Cliff Crochet.
3: This is Bass Elite Angler, Chris Lane, and you are tuned in
4: for Bass Edge Reggae.
1: We are stoked to have a Bass Edge rookie on the show for this episode's Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. This FLW Tour angler has recently qualified for his third consecutive Forestwood Cup. Bass Edge, proud to introduce you to FLW Tour pro Shane LeHue. Thanks for being with us, Shane.
4: Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, Shane, you come from the hallowed ground
2: as far as the uh, professional bass fishing world is concerned. A lot of stout anglers out of that South Central, you know, North Carolina, Lake Norman area was the competition you know they're growing up part of what has made you such a consistent angler that you are today
4: I definitely think it's helped out a lot like you said there's a ton of guys from around here that have gone on to make the elite series or the tour you know we got Todd Alton Brian Thrift Hank Cherry all those guys Shane Lineberger you know growing up fishing here I've had to fish against all those guys and local stuff you know Hank Cherry you for the longest time he was one of the best on lake norman and he still is we got a big winter trail that goes on here you know it's about six or seven tournaments and all those guys fish those tournaments so it definitely uh prepares you you know you got to fish against the best on the lake and uh try to beat those guys week in and week out you know and i love that competition sometimes i get a little too jacked up for the uh, local tournaments you know i'm almost on a <laughs> level when i'm fishing against those guys because you know it's not really about the money you know you're only fishing for a couple thousand bucks but you know you're fishing for those bragging rights and you get to say you know this week i beat hank and brian and then, You know, I was the best that week on the lake. So it's almost like tour level competition. And there's plenty of guys here that could definitely fish at the level that, you know, of the tour or the elite series, you know, that just they've got jobs and stuff like that. Can't take the time off. But, you know, there's probably five to ten more guys that I fish against that could definitely compete on that level.
1: That's awesome. So I got to ask, you know, the winter tournament series you're talking about, maybe, you know, end of the day, everyone's sitting around weighing their fish. Does, does Hank start talking about, you know, jerkbait fishing and and you start talking about, oh, yeah. you know, dock fishing and everybody starts, <laughs> you know, just uh, kind of brainstorming about what's going on and what they're doing, new techniques, or is everybody hush-hush? How does that work out?
4: Well, I mean, every now and then I'll, I'll get to fish with Hank and uh, I'll get a fish. A couple with Brian and those you Strip know, loves throwing that A-rig. And I, you know, of course I do as well. Me and my dad have started a little A-rig company. And, you know, there's guys that don't like throwing it, and I respect their opinions on it. But me and Thrift love throwing that thing. You know, you can catch them fishing docks up shallow, and then you can catch them out in 40 foot of water, slower on it on the bottom. And here anymore, it's become just another bait because they've seen it so much. Um, right. But yeah, you like you said, Hank Cherry. That guy, by far the best jerk bait fisherman I've ever been with. You know what goes on in his head as far as the way it sinks. You know, just the changing from 10 to 12 pound line, stuff like that. Changing right. from a number two hook to a number four hook on this part of the bait, just because of what the what he sees the shad doing. I mean, it's ridiculous. He's definitely the best. Bay
1: fisherman I've ever been with. He seems to be in. that's for sure. That's awesome to be able to grow up around that. And I'll never forget, you know, a comment. We were interviewing Brian Thrift. We've had Brian, I think two or three times on the
2: show. Isn't that right, Aaron? Yeah, Brian's actually been, and I, I probably know where you're going with this, but uh, <laughs> Brian's been on here a couple times. The last one, most recently, was he had some interesting things to say.
1: Yeah, I asked him. You know, we were talking about casting under docks and, and uh, you know, just the proficiency that, again, that area of the country. Talk about Thrifty, you know, and Andy Montgomery and, and some of the guys that have been around for six or eight or, or ten years. And uh, I asked him, I said, man, who is the best caster that Brian Thrift knows? Duchesne, you were the guy, man, that you were his <laughs> answer. So that's that's pretty awesome. That's incredible. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it is cool. Well, you know, I kind of you know, when we were at the Potomac several weeks back, you know, kind of mentioning to you talking about Bass Edge and, and uh, kind of looking forward to getting you on the show at some point in the future you talk about that kind of stuff and and you kind of let people know like what other anglers are telling about it. and you said hey well sometimes brian makes me run the front of the boat and and you, you guys fish team tournaments like <laughs> you are talking about all of a sudden brian's like hey shane you got it man you you got the lead so you know when you're leading one of the best anglers in the country that says a lot about you buddy
4: yeah that's uh that's high praise from probably the best angler in in the world right now in my opinion i mean he's obviously this year he fished on a whole different level than everybody else you know i I've learned a lot from him over the years and I, I haven't fished with him a whole lot you know usually we only get to go probably you know eight to ten times a year but you can learn a lot from him in just a day and for him to say that about me you know that means a lot Boy team fish you know sometimes if we're on like a you know specific brush pile or something like that kind of deal brian is super super good at that kind of stuff but well sometimes he'll you know, throw the boat neutral, make me jump up on the front, I'll be like, all right, well Hugh, there's gonna be one right there under that pontoon. Make the cast and i you know <laughs> yeah. I'm the guy that has to jump up there and do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's to awesome. ring the
1: <laughs> <laughs> So
4: so let me ask you that real quick. When if
1: you ring the pontoon, is the fish just gone? Is it not gonna bite? Let's break down casting, maybe some casting angles. What makes pinpoint accuracy to targets Possible? What's what's your secret on that?
4: Uh, You know, I look at a couple different things. First of all, you you got to look at your boat positioning. If I'm skipping docks, I'm typically a sidearm kind of guy. You know, I like to bait low to the water, get a ton of momentum going. Right. Um, If you roll up on that pontoon and you start thinking, all right. I'm going to hit this thing. you got the wrong attitude already. You know, you've already got it in your head. So I don't really see the, you know, the dock or I just see the hole. And that's all I try to focus on. Like I said, if I'm, for instance, skipping a jig, you know, I use 16 pound line. Um, Fitzgerald Rods has come out with an awesome new rod. It's a 6.9 heavy skipping. It's actually a Brian Thrift series. And uh, I actually use old Shimano as a Shimano D100. They don't make anymore. And uh, I think that has a lot to do with it as well. But like I said, definitely boat positioning. If you're at the wrong angle to begin with, You've already kind of messed yourself up. You know, you got to throw the boat in reverse, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I definitely like to have the boat in the right position before I make that cast.
1: And that takes some time, right? I mean, you know, we don't have a whole lot of docks at Amistad, but, you know, traveling the country, you fish (laughs) a lot of lakes with docks and that kind of thing. I mean, it's not something where you're just cruising down the bank. Can you explain a little bit to our listeners how you're looking at the dock or looking at that? More importantly, you're looking at that little hole that you're trying to skip it into and what makes the right accuracy? Or the right lineup? Is it the way that you specifically cast and then you're only getting like one or two casts to a dock, but it's taking you several minutes to line up
4: right? Yeah. I mean, most of the time I want to let the boat kind of coast in to the right angle that I want to make. Like I said, I'm mostly a sidearm caster. Now I will go backhand, you know, underhand pitch and get it to skip that way. But I really like the sidearm approach. Uh, I feel like you got just a better chance at hitting that hole. And, th- and that's just kind of the way I learned, you know, when I moved here and we were just getting beat all the time fishing a jig. Well, I moved from Davenport, Iowa. We used to fish in the Mississippi River. We didn't have docks, you know, we had grass and stuff like right. that. So I, there was just like a, week, I was like, you know what? I'm tired of getting beat on this jig. I don't know how to throw it. And I would just put two jig rods in the boat. The second one was because I was probably going to blow up the first one. So that's why I (laughs) had two rods in there. Uh, And I would just fish that jig all day. Just if they're on the walkways, just trying to figure out what, you know, you want to pick a dock apart. And typically I'll start from the walkway and work my way out. You know in the springtime most of your fish are going to be out of those walkways just because they're setting up to spawn even if they're pre-spawn you know they're wanting to get towards the bank so i look at it as in the winter They start out on the end, they move up towards the walkways in the spring, and then they start cycling back out. Unless there's some brim bed activity, then they'll definitely stay under those walkways. And that's when you get into skipping a topwater, you know, either a pop bar. We like throwing a horny toad a lot on Lake Norman. It's kind of a little well-kept secret. You know, something like that, just to get those fish to react that looks like a brim skipping in there. They'll come up and blow up on it and that's mostly summertime but then they'll start moving their way back out after they get off the brim you know on those deeper poles and stuff like that and that doesn't typically require a whole lot of skipping you know mostly you're flipping the poles and stuff like that they're just using those you know sitting out in 18 to 20 foot of water but uh definitely pontoons are a big thing here in the spring we skip a white jig a lot and those shadows spawn under those pontoons and those dock floats and stuff like that and uh that's like I said you just you know take a couple rods just with a jigs. i would start out almost with a wacky one just because that's easy to skip you know. And you're not worried about hitting anything with a wacky worm because it's not going to yeah. make any noise. That's great it's advice. Start out with something like that and then move your way to you know, skipping a jig because you know a jig definitely is hard to skip until you get used to it and a groove and just figure out what angle like you like to skip it at. Like I said, I'm, I I like the roll cast. It's been the easiest way for me.
2: Well, Shane, going to kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, Kurt doesn't have a lot of docks on Lake Omstead where he predominantly <laughs> there's like, resides. There's um, like
1: three, dude. What yeah, you about? there's three. The three. <laughs> you know, so I have a dock each, right?
2: Trying to give you a a, a little little uh, kudos there for having a dock, I guess, the courtesy dock, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, myself coming from like an area of like Lake of the Ozarks, chain, it's it's laden with mm-hmm. docks. They're all floating docks. So efficiency, like Kurt said, big, big key. You know, you've got to be able to move. You've got to be able to break down that dock quickly so that you can then try to formulate a pattern of what docks are holding on. But when you have that many docks, you know, like you're talking about, are there any tips or techniques that come into mind when you're trying to cover the dock effectively, but yet know that you might be covering 50 or 60 docks a day?
4: Yeah, I mean, like I said, typically I like to start on those walkways and work my way out. Now, we like to fish fast here. You know, sometimes you get away with swimming a jig where you don't even have to let it go to the bottom. And that'd be a good way to, you know, just fish as many as you possibly can and then figure out, all right, you know, they're on these docks that are, the ends of them are in eight feet of water. They're on flat docks. And then you can just run those certain docks where you're not fishing docks that are 40 feet deep. And typically I like to throw a little bit heavier jig. I use a ER lures 916 so it's a little bit faster fall. If I am letting the jig go to the bottom, typically I don't slow drag it unless it's like summertime and I'm fishing brush or it's winter and that's cold, you know, and you're letting that jig go to the bottom and dragging it real slow. I usually don't like throwing a jig in the winter just because of that reason. I'd rather throw, you know, jerk bait or Alabama or something like that, but definitely, you know, just trying to fish as fast as possible. I mean, take through for example he covers more water than anybody and for a guy like me sometimes I get in my head like I'm fishing too fast or you know you don't always want to do that but if you're just trying to locate fish on docks with a jig I think that's the best way to do it. You know, just make five or six casts to one dock, and that's all. You know, don't sit there and fish with the one dock for 30 minutes unless you get a couple bites on that one dock. And sure. typically that means there's, you know, a little small school bass there. Sometimes you can catch five or six off one dock.
2: Sure, that's good advice. I know one of the other things that you're talking about, you know, sometimes those docks are so close, it helps to lower my power poles about halfway down and let them kind of just crab crawl out there. That way when you're flying around the dock or you're trying to get your boat position, if it bangs off the dock behind you, it kind of at least protects the boat. So a new use for a yeah. pole there
1: oh yeah we, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier but so let's say i cruise up to the dock you know i'm all squared away and ding you know, i crush the pontoon <laughs> or or whatever is that the end of it man should i just <laughs> leave that dock and go to the next one what's your experience tell you
4: typically anymore around here yes because i've seen you know just about every bait lure thing you can think of that's possible and i don't think it's so much the noise i think it's more the vibration you know think if you bump your boat into the dock you know the dock vibrates or same thing right. with pontoon you know it's not so much the sound it made it's the vibration that fish is already like all right, something's off this is not normal. What what about people on the dock? Yeah typically I avoid those as well I mean some fish you know they're used to that some people come around feed fish and stuff like that but you know typically I pass those up just because you know that vibration and all that movement I just feel like he's already going to be so aware of what's going on I don't feel like he's in a feeding mode unless it was you know your typical when you're fishing there's nobody on the dock or you don't hit the dock you know he's going to be less aware when that bait comes skipping in there then it's just a reaction well I'm going to, try to, to <laughs> I'm gonna have to move around
1: I'm going to have to move because I'm going to club someone in the shins that's standing on that dock <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, sometimes I feel like that as well I'm like, I probably shouldn't fish that dock because I'm about to ring their palm too <laughs>
1: especially when they're up there doing yard work or something you know you just never know but that's funny that's good stuff let's go to one more question i got before break and and just kind of breaking down overall fishing you know we're here in kind of late july you know you've got the cup coming up in a few weeks this a tough time of year to catch fish let's face it i mean it's late summer what strategies i've heard you talk a little bit about brush um what strategies are you leaning toward to locate and catch bass if you know my buddy's going out fishing a lot of bass edge listeners you know it's summertime you know although it's maybe not the best time to go fishing they've got time off from work it's vacation kids are out of school what kind of advice can you tell them to go you know help them catch bass this time of year
4: typically this time of year what i start out with you know i'll start out the first few hours of the morning throwing a top water of some kind um, just covering water july you get some brim bed activities still late you know later in the year type deal especially if you get around a new or a full moon. That's a big way we catch fish around here. And I know, I mean, throughout the country you can do that. And then like you said, brush piles, you know, this time of year they'll get in. Typically I like to check in that 15 to 25 foot range you know, and fishing Christmas trees that people have left over or just, you know, if you can find a hardwood pile, that's typically a really better than Christmas. If you got a lake that's got a ton and ton of Christmas trees, if you got somebody that's made just a hardwood pile out of big branches or something like that, then typically you can uh, catch more fish out of that pile. I like throwing a big worm in that situation. Even on Lake Norman, we'll catch 12 to 14-inch spots on a 10, 12-inch worm. Um, I just think it gives them a bigger profile, something to, you know, find. And then obviously... You know, shaky head, stuff like that. If you're in a finesse, uh, drop shot, another great way to catch fish this time of year. But yeah, typically I would start out throwing some sort of, you know, either like a vixen, uh spook, some sort of walking bait or, uh, you know, that buzz frog. That's one of my favorite things to throw by far. And now a whopper plopper. Uh, you can cover a ton of water with a whopper plopper and a buzz toad you know you're like you said you're probably not going out to catch 40 or 50 fish in the heat of the summer it's just not going to happen unless you get on some sort of brush pile bite where they're you know you're catching five or six out of every piece of brush but typically you're fishing down the bank for you know post spawn cruising fish chasing brim you know they're not the healthiest bass in the lake just because the water gets so hot especially here they'll get real thin and they use a lot of their energy chasing those brim but yeah you can definitely cover water with the top water and then and slow down later in the day, either you know, fishing docks or fishing brush piles. Awesome,
1: man. Well, that's great advice. I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. Bass Edge listeners, stay right here. We're going to be right back after this message with more from Shane LaHue. Oh,
0: oh, oh,
2: all right. Glass Edge Radio, brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, returns with FLW tour angler Shane LaHue in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. From real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements, visit them at lucasoil.com. It's works.
1: All right, Shane, man, right before the break, we, we started talking about a little summertime fishing. You give us some great tips on what's going on. You mentioned spotted bass, you know, very prevalent in your home lake at Norman. A lot of other lakes in the country. Uh, Aaron's got them all over the place out there in the Midwest. Um, they're obviously all over Alabama and some biggins, <laughs> biggins down there. But um, let's talk about that. Is the spotted bass a fish that you're kind of wanting to target, you know, in the summertime as far as just being able to get bites? and catch fish and and if so or whatever the situation might be as far as tournament angling but even just fun fishing how is it best to target spotted bass this time of year
4: you know i think uh this time of year you can find big big groups of spots out you know out deep you know that 20 foot range somewhere in there you know sometimes we'll even catch them here you know 30 40 feet deep typically on lake Norman, the lake i live on you know we don't have those i guess Cousa River spotted bass, those big, fat, healthy ones. These are, right. our spots almost act like largemouth. A lot of them stay shallow year-round. You know, they never leave. You know, deeper than eight feet of water. But now in the summertime, you can go out there with a drop shot just to have some fun, and you can catch wads and wads and wads of them. You know, there'll be groups of hundred to two hundred spots, but most of them are. You know your 10 to 15 inch spotted bass they're just not as big as far as you know up on the bank spotted bass here but now I know like you said throughout the middle part of the country where you've got those Cooster River spots yeah I think I would you know try to target some of those because usually spots are a little more aggressive than largemouth throughout most of the year and they're just a little bit easier to catch than those largemouth that have you know gone into full-on summer mode or either cruising the bank or just sitting out deep it's typically a little harder to get the fire up
1: generally you like to utilize finesse techniques on that are you kind of deep cranking or what what are some of the ways you like to you know target those fish as far as techniques
4: yeah you can definitely we we do catch them here on like a 6xd i've even caught fish out here on a 10xd you know hitting a little bit deeper brush piles and stuff like that or using your electronics is a great way to find fish in general that are in schools you know that you can find pods of fish um, sure. and typically those fish that are out there they're relating to some sort of structure or they're related to bait fish like I said a big crankbait the drop shot's hard to beat when you get out deep anymore uh shaky head dragging it around actually i like throwing a spoon
2: now we're talking
4: <laughs> <laughs> but like a uh we drop about one ounce hopkins here a lot in the summertime and that's even in you know around brush piles and stuff like that i would say another good bait is a swim bait you know if you're for spots, you don't need like a six or seven inch bait. You know, typically I'll throw like a Kydex, you know, 3.8 somewhere in that range. Um, that's a good way to get bit. Hey
2: Shane, one other question too. While we're still in the spots, the have you noticed that once you get them fired up, it seems like you can get the school going and they're more competitive or more aggressive per se than the largemouth?
4: Yeah, I would say definitely. Once you get one out to fire out of that school, they'll definitely you know keep on going and here they'll hit like a certain point and they'll just quit completely and then you can leave them and then come back you know 15 minutes later and catch the rest of them i think definitely if you get them fired up like that yeah they're definitely a little easier to catch other than the large mouth you know the large mouth will you catch one or two and then they might quit and then you got to come back and spots you know you catch 15 or 20 and then they'll finally quit biting. and then you can come back sure. back and catch the rest
2: sure well, speaking of getting fired up, you've got to be personally getting fired up to prepare for this year's cup. Obviously it's close to your home, you know, there in the Carolinas. Do you kind of feel that that is putting you at an extra advantage or just, you, are you just taking this as another tournament and trying to, trying to remain calm?
4: Somewhat it does as far as just cause I'm closer to the lake. You know, I, I actually don't have any experience on Murray probably after July. So, uh, unless it's wintertime, I've been there a couple times in the winter. It's just not a lake that I fish a whole lot. Um, but like you said, it's only a couple hours from the house. So I think it does, it makes it easier as far as me being able to go and pre-practice, you know, other than a guy that's, you know, 10, 12 hours away, you know, I can just run down there for a day if I want to and check it out or a couple days and then come back and then go back out. So yeah, I think, uh, I'll be able to see a lot of the lake and pre-practice, which is nice because typically, you know, the cups, you know, eight hours away from me and I don't, I'll, I'll go down and pre-practice for three or four days and have to come back, but. Now I can just kind of go whenever I want and see the lake. That's great. Real quick, we get a kind of an overhead view, we got the
1: cup coming up in, in uh, just a few weeks, actually. You know, so um, if you give us the overhead view, where do you see it? You know, they fished a cup here in uh, Lake Murray. I think it was 2014. Anthony Gagliardi won it. You know, kind of running around looking, chasing schoolers. There were some guys up the river that had some very good success. If you give us the 40 foot view on where Shane Hugh kind of. Leaned what do you think is going to be keys to making shane lehue the forcewood cup champion
4: for me it's going to be trying to figure out the shallow bite which i know is going to be just a grind to begin with you know it's it's august it's going to be hot there's not going to be a whole lot of fish biting but you know i think if you can like i said going back to that cup you saw scott canterbury you know running shallow pockets on that right. buzz toad you know flipping a jig on shallow docks that's probably going to be the way i'm going to want to catch them um i know there's some schooling fish typically for me the blueback lakes you know that herring stuff i don't typically try to chase that i think on those lakes there's a lot of shallow fish that get overlooked and uh i think that time of year you know those blueback fish are going to be beat on pretty hard it's almost like you know when you're at kentucky lake well if those schools have been messed with for two months straight you know they get pretty smart they get a little harder to catch and, uh, you know, I think that's kind of the same deal on the blueback lakes, you know, that typically they don't just spawn in acres, you know, across the whole lake, you know, there's 10 or 15 really good points. And, you know, a lot of those locals and stuff that fish that lake, they know where those points are. So those fish have got caught. And, uh, like I said, I think just. This- Lakes like that that have real deep water cleared, they get overlooked a little bit as far as the shallow bike goes. We're definitely
1: looking forward to an exciting event, and uh, I'm gonna have you on my fantasy team, brother. <laughs> so I want to be pulling for you. I hope I pull my weight. That's right. That's right. I think you will. No problem at all. It sounds like you got it all screwed on right, and uh, you're ready to rock and roll. So that's awesome. We're gonna move into our next section of our, of our interview here, which is the O'Reilly Auto Parts Better Parts, Better Prices Every Day listener question segment. Today's question. Comes from Mike Durko and Mike is from Michigan. He asks, I fish a small, clear lake outside of Grand Rapids and it has big bass. I'm wondering how I should go about targeting big fish in the deep water. He's tried deep cranking, feels like he's not making cast any targets and he's wasting his time. He's tried dragging, hopping a jig, but he can't feel anything like the bottom is mostly mucky. He hasn't found any brush piles or deep wood, but he sees some big fish on the depth finder when he's moving around the lake, usually suspended in 14 to 25 feet of water. How would you go about targeting these fish, Shane?
4: Great question. I think, uh, you know, typically if I'm going to try to target those fish, uh, I'd like to, you know, find some bait fish or something like that that they're holding to. You know, he said that the bottom doesn't have, you know, much of a contour or doesn't have hardwood and stuff like that. And those those could be bass. I'm, I'm sure some of them are, you know, because they'll suspend, but typically – You know, those suspended fish are about the hardest fish in the lake to catch. Now, if you're getting into fall and wintertime and stuff like that, that Alabama rig is definitely a great way to uh, catch those suspended fish. You know, you can count that thing down to... Fourteen to twenty five, like you said, you know, just drop it over the side of the boat, watch it on your trolling motor, you know, start counting it down, and then once you get to ten feet, if it's falling a foot per second, you can count that thing down, fire it out there and get it in the right zone and reel it back. A single swim bait, another great way to do that. If he's fishing that deep, I would say something on a half ounce head, maybe like a bass crick's five-inch bass tricks, something like that, and just keep a steady retrieve. And then I, I would think another probably good way to target those fish, we talked a little bit earlier about Hank Cherry weight waiting a jerkbait. You know, if you take a mega bass 110 plus, I like to run a number two on the front, a four in the middle, and a six on the back, and that'll get that jerkbait to head first, and it'll have a real slow sink if you throw it, if you get it at the right temperature. You, know, you gotta watch your water temp. And, uh, most of the time I try to get away with 10 or 12 pound line. But I think, you know, letting that jerkbait sink down to that depth and twitching it back, that'd be another great way to try to target those fish. Great
2: stuff, Shane. Actually, I'm sitting here taking notes. You're, you're uh, 2, 4, and 6 there. So, hey, Mike, thanks for asking that question because I just took, uh, took some information out of that myself. But no, seriously, Mike, great question. Shane, thanks for answering that in. Uh, Mike, again, you have to let us know your address to send out that O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. All you've got to do is go to BassEdge.com, click on that Claim Your Prize tab, and that will get us everything that we need to send out the O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card.
1: And as a reminder to all BassEdge listeners, keep sending in those questions to the show. Man, they have been coming in like rock star questions, so keep them rolling in. Get a shot at winning that next O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. Email us, support at BassEdge.com, or leave us those comments on our Facebook
2: and Twitter media pages. Well, Shane, it was great to have you on the show. Certainly look forward to doing it again sometime in the near future any final thoughts before we uh we kind of shut this
4: down like i said i appreciate you guys having me on let me take a little bit of your guys' time and get to talk about fishing i always love talking about fishing uh if you guys ever need me to come back i definitely will I, I really enjoyed it
2: well after the recommendation and kudos from brian thrift it's uh when he talks you got to kind of listen right
4: <laughs> yeah definitely that's right and anytime uh, anytime he spills a little information i'm always listening
2: yeah, well, he spoke highly of you, so again, thanks so much.
1: Well, I'm going to turn it around. I think anytime Shane spills a little information, uh, track record is astounding, buddy. Great having you on the show. We're going to send you off with our last little segment, which is four last questions for you. Y'all set, bud? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. All right. Filet of bass, yes or no?
4: Yes, if you're managing a pond or some sort of lake, taking out some smaller fish. All right, because they, they taste good, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, I'm in you know, if you're managing a pond, trying to get those fish a little bigger, you know, don't let them go to waste. You know, if you're taking out, you know, just an average size bass. So I've seen a lot of people do that in ponds and stuff. So I don't see why there's a problem with that.
1: You bet. Okay. What was your first
2: thought this morning when you woke up?
4: Oh man. Typically, it's uh, I need some coffee pretty quickly.
2: You sure <laughs> it wasn't? Oh crap! What you texted me? I've got to get on the phone with uh, with Kurt and Aaron. or <laughs>
4: <laughs> right. no, no, it wasn't. I was like, man, that's pretty early for an interview, but I'm gonna need some coffee before get this thing started. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, so you're doing a lot of traveling, obviously, uh, tearing everybody up on the FLW Tour. What is your favorite fast food restaurant?
4: Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm torn between Zaxby's and Chick-fil-A. I'm a oh, chicken wow. guy, so I like either of those.
1: Very good. And what lake do you look forward to competing on the most?
4: Uh, anywhere with grass or hydrilla. Um, I feel like those are those set up a little better for me and anything with docks. But one lake that's got pretty much all that stuff is... I like Gunnersville in the springtime. That's one of my favorites. Awesome, man. Awesome.
1: Well, Shane, it's been a great pleasure having you here on Bass Edge Radio. Glad we could get uh, everybody to learn a little bit about Shane LaHue. Bass Edge Radio, will return after this message.
0: Patented in 2000. Perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment. The Pole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift. Powerpole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent. Powerpole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime, unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerpole, swift, silent, secure. Visit powerpole.com. To find a dealer near you.
1: And I really hope Bass Edge listeners got to, you know, really just be introduced to Shane. You know, although he's had some obviously great success on the FLW tour, you know, he's one of those young up and comers man, really got an open mind, understands the game like most folks his age don't. He's got a knack.
2: No doubt. And you know, to have those kind of accolades from Brian Thrift, which is really how I got introduced to him, Kurt. And then through that it's like, Okay, well, who is you and I got to talking about? And you started telling me about Shane, but The credentials back it up but then his casting abilities are phenomenal well it's no wonder why he is such a success because he's getting his bait in places that most people can't in a manner that most people can't and he also understands how to read a bass those conditions all the things that matter so it sounds to me like he has the perfect storm going on
1: yeah there's no doubt love is different ways that he's looking at how to catch fish too he's you know he understands the deep game as well as the shallow game what's really cool is that he said that he loves. Millful and grass lakes and he comes from norman where i'm pretty sure there's not a stitch of grass in that place
2: (laughs) (laughs) exactly well uh it's going to be interesting to see how he fares not only in the rest of his career but more importantly here in just a couple weeks there at lake murray so i've got a feeling he's going to be one to watch and certainly i know you said he's going to be on your fantasy fishing team and uh, probably should be a pick for most others but unfortunately bass edge nation we are out of time as always cannot thank Thank you enough for using your time to spend here with Kurt and I to talk about those little green fish that swim around. For Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, I am Aaron Martin. We will see you in two weeks, August 1st. So long, everybody.
0: Is presented by MegaWare Keelguard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.